Good morning and welcome to worship at Hillhead. Our service this morning, as you probably have figured out already, is led by our own minister, Katrina. And today we'll also hear Ali and Elham reading scripture and Elaine and Graham leading the Lord's Prayer. Brian will lead our prayers for others and shortly Tamara will light our candle. Our musicians are Paul F., Yang Yang, and Leo. And there are no evening reflections tonight. But next Sunday morning, our worship will be led by staff and students of the Scottish Baptist College. On family news, Alan remains in Queen Elizabeth University Hospital and is undergoing further tests. So let's continue to remember him in our prayers. We have a save the date announcement. Our church away day is being planned for Saturday 11th of March with Francis Bloomfield as our facilitator for a hybrid conversation as part of our discernment process. More details on that will come soon. Heather McLeod has agreed to take on the role of editor for The Key. So in future, all articles should be sent directly to her for our monthly church magazine. And of course, our huge thanks to Heather for taking this up. I think these are all our notices. So now it's time for Tamara to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our day away. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. together. God of gathering, who draws us to yourself, 
We pause for a moment, allowing ourselves to relax and to rest in the safety of your welcome. However our week has been, whatever has been said or done, you reach out to us in loving acceptance. So we can, in the quietness of our hearts, tell you how we feel, knowing that you will appreciate our honesty and come alongside us in our authenticity and vulnerability. For the moments that we feel good or proud about, we thank you. For the moments that we feel disappointed by or ashamed about, we receive the assurance of your pardon and your encouragement to live more fully. In this moment, among these people, our siblings in Christ, we ask that your gently disturbing and powerfully refreshing spirit might breathe upon us, soothe our wounds, stir our hearts, and inspire our minds. God of gathering, as we gather in Christ's name, may we worship you. Amen. We join together in the Lord's Prayer, in whichever language and form we prefer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you.
couple of weeks ago, I was chatting with Bethany about when our younger people move out of this room to go and explore in their own way. And we were commenting that we always used to start with something we did all together, often interactive, and actually we haven't done that for nearly three years. So today we're going to try it for the first time in absolutely ages. So this could be a disaster, but hey-ho, it's fine. So if you're online and you want to speak, you will need to unmute yourself, um, but that's totally fine. We'll just go with it and see how it works. I wonder if you can think of different kinds of family gatherings or family get-togethers that you have or have experienced, and if you would be happy to share that. And whilst you're thinking, I'll go first, because next Sunday I'm not here because my little sister is coming up to stay with me for the weekend. So that's not a full family gathering, but that is a gathering of part of my family. So myself and my little sister will spend about three days together. What, what else? What gets? Holly. So my father-in-law is one of nine children, and every June we try to get together for a Walsh family reunion and uh, play a lot. Of, it's very English, we play a lot of <laughs> I would just like to point out that not all English people play cricket. Uh, so, so Holly's father-in-law is one of nine children and each summer they get together for a family gathering and play a lot of cricket because apparently they're that kind of English people. <laughs> that's slightly my interpretation, but hey, hey. Thanks, Holly, that's brilliant. Other people that have family gatherings of any sort. I'm sure it's not just Holly and myself that get together with people. I'm having dinner with my sister this evening. Okay. Um, because I haven't seen her since she got engaged. I've only spoken to her on the phone, so there will be a lot of talking, I think. So Katrina H and her sister are getting together for the first time since Eleanor's engagement, and they've spoken on the phone but not met face-to-face, -face, so there'll be a lot of talking, thank you. So dinners, gatherings of wider family. Anybody else? Everybody else just sit in your own house all the time? Just... Yeah, Graham. Oh, we have various forms of family gathering. We used to uh, gather together with my relations in Whitley Bay and they have now, uh, well, there's still my sister-in-law in Whitley Bay, but the family down in Ipswich and in Stanley County, Durham, we get a bit more scattered, but at least Zoom keeps us together now and again. Thank you. So, so Graham was saying he's got family in Whitley Bay, in Ipswich and Stamford, that's Lincolnshire if I remember correctly, and historically would have got together physically in the same place, and now quite often Zoom is allowing them to stay connected. One more person, maybe somebody online would like to say something. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Go for it, Janet. Um, we had a family gathering to celebrate the lives of my parents. Um, and that was the first time in many, many years that we had managed to get all my brothers and uh, their, their children together. Thank you. So multi-generational gathering for a particular purpose. I guess we all have gatherings. Um, some people, it'll be things you do at Christmas or in the summer. Some people have a very definite thing about Sunday lunch. When I was growing up, mm -hmm. Sunday lunch was a thing. And we sat in our distinct places around the table. There were six of us, so my dad was at one end, my mum was at the other, my sister and I were on one side and my two brothers on the other, and, and it was a thing. But, you know, those were sometimes not always the greatest things. Um, 
I think I'm allowed to say this because you weren't here in the recording. My sister and I might well squabble next weekend. Um, we are in some ways far too much alike and in some ways far too much different. Um, I grew up as the quiet one in my family and my sister has always been more assertive than I am. And that plays out in all kinds of parts of life. I guess that's true for many of us that family gatherings, we don't always, it doesn't always go to plan. Uh, things that have been there in the past for years can pop up, old tensions, old, old, all sorts of things. But we gather because we are committed to each other and we think it's important to share things together. And that's why we sometimes use the language of family to talk about churches. And, and I, I know for some people, um, this last year or so has been really hard in terms of family. We have Oh, I, I, I was talking to somebody recently and I said I had to stop counting last year the number of significant people who had died. So it's not always easy. And, and I think we need to name that. But we come as we are with our joys and our sorrows, with our faith and our doubts, with our hopes and our fears. And we try to support one another in that. And so just as our youngsters go off to do whatever they're going to do, and I'm not even quite sure who's leading today, I think, oh, it's Holly, it's one of the guest leaders today, so that's going to be amazing. So we're going to sing, The Church is Wherever God's People Are Praising. Chapter 58, 1 to 9. The Lord says, Shout as loud as you can. Tell my people Israel about their sins. They worship me every day, claiming that they are eager to know my ways and obey my laws. They say they want me to give them just laws and that they'll take pleasure. <clears throat> In worshipping me, the people ask, why should we fast if the Lord never notices? Why should we go without food if he pays no attention? The Lord says to them, the truth 
is that at the same time you fast, you pursue your own interests and oppress your workers. You fasting makes you violent and you quarrel and fight. Do you think this kind of fasting will make me listen to your prayers? Prayers? <laughs> when you fast, you make yourself suffer. You bow your head low like a blade of grass and spread out sackcloth and ashes to lie on. Is that what you call fasting? Do you think I will be pleased with that? The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and don't refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you and every side. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call to me, I will respond. Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 20. You are like salt for the whole human race. But if salt loses its saltiness, there is no way to make it salty again. It has become worthless, so it is thrown out and people trample on it. You are like light for the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it is put on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in, in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Do you think that I have come to, to do away with the law of Moses? and teachings of the prophets. I have not come to do away, and then, and then, but to make their teachings come true. Remember that as long as heaven and earth last, not the least point nor the smallest details of the law will be done away with, not until the end of all things. So then whoever disobeys even the least important of the commandments and teaches others to do the same will be least will be least in the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, whoever obeys the law and teaches others to do the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you then that you will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven only if you are more faithful than teacher, teachers of the law and Pharisees in doing what God requires.
Over the last few weeks, using the epistle from the lectionary, I have been working you quite hard as we've been thinking about the first few steps on our journey of discernment together. And I think what we were reminded of last week was very much um, that we are a community or a family, we are a group of people who love each other, who care a lot about each other, but don't necessarily always agree with each other. And that's kind of why I decided to start off by thinking a little bit about families. There are always things to work out together in families. Sometimes life goes quite smoothly, sometimes life can be quite challenging, and we don't always uh, react as we would expect, or sometimes we don't find quick answers to things. But this week, I've deliberately gone away from the letters to the Corinthians, which continues very much in the same vein, and chosen to go with the Old Testament reading from Isaiah and the New Testament reading from Matthew, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, for many of us, those are very familiar Bible passages. We will have heard countless sermons on them. I've certainly preached on them many times. We will have done Bible studies on them. We will have thought about them. We think we have heard everything there is to know, and that may be true. And one of the things I'm very conscious of in myself, when I get a familiar passage to talk about, to preach on, I sometimes get sidetracked trying to find something new to say. What can I say that I haven't said before? What might be a different slant on this? But actually that isn't always necessary and it isn't always helpful One of my favourite walks over the years I've lived in Glasgow is to go along the Clyde walkway into the city centre. And I've been along there in spring, summer, autumn, winter. I've fallen over on the ice there. I've been dazzled by sun there. I walked along there when we were allowed out all on our own during lockdown to just walk so far for so long. And I've been there on days when there are lots and lots of people. It's very familiar But actually, it can still surprise me. I can still spot things I haven't seen before or see things from a slightly different angle. So I guess that's trying what I'm trying to hold in mind as I look at these two very familiar passages this morning. The sense I get when I read the passage from Isaiah is that the people of God are frustrated. They are faithfully doing worship. They are gathering They are praying. They are listening to the scriptures. They're even fasting in a way that is very visible, dressed in sackcloth and ashes. And life is frankly not getting any better. Is God actually paying any attention to them? And this prophet speaks and says, well, you know what? God's not interested in this. And sometimes there is a trap that we can fall into that says God's not interested in our gathering for worship. And that is not what this passage is about. What God is saying, I think, is unless what you do when you gather connects with what you do when you're scattered, when you are apart, when you are doing your daily work, going around your daily business, doing the familiar round then it's not much point to it. You can sing beautiful music. You can listen to erudite sermons. I've probably done about two of those in my time. But unless it connects to your daily life, 
to what you're really doing, what's really going on in the work, I'm not interested. But here's the mystery that as you do that, as you connect what you do in worship with your ordinary life, with what's going on in the world about you, so you begin to discover that those prayers find answers. So you begin to discover that your worship is more meaningful. Around about 20 years ago, there was a phrase very popular in some Baptist circles that talked about doing business with God. You went to church on a Sunday and you you did business with God. I never liked that language because it was transactional. It was the language of, of... the workplace and that, that you know I come to God and I, I say some prayers and I do some stuff and God and I do a bit of a deal and off I go back out into the work and well, that's not helpful. There's also an idea and I've been guilty of saying this myself I come to church to get a top up to carry me through the week and I kind of want to say well yes and no to that one because yes we do need to be refreshed and renewed. If we try to do it without refreshment and renewal, we just get exhausted. And if it's me, you get irritable and and, get frustrated and it's not good. So yes, we do need to gather to connect God through each other to top ourselves up. But if that's all it's about, then that's not enough. Why do we want to be topped up really is the question. Why do I want to be refreshed inspired, energised? The answer is so that I can go out into the world better equipped because of that. And that takes us into our New Testament reading and these two metaphors that Jesus uses. He says you like salt. And we've all heard the salt sermons a million times, so I don't need to repeat them. But this is a kind of about your being. You are salt. Something about you, as my people, has the potential to be a preservative, a saving thing in the world. Has the potential to bring flavour to life, to make life more vibrant, more dynamic, more flavoursome, more interesting. But if you don't do that, if that's not what you're about, it's pointless. And you're like a light. And lights shine. You only need a tiny bit of light to transform the darkness. We've all read those things and I've never actually been able to check them out. But in pure darkness, I'm told you can see a candle flame for huge distances. At least a mile, maybe more. Light transforms what's around it just by nature of what it is. It doesn't work at it. It doesn't go, I think I'll be light today. It just is light. And that's what Jesus says about his church, his people. You are light. And what do you do if you've got a light? Well, you don't switch it off unless you're trying to save power. You don't cover it up with a bowl or a bucket because that's pointless. Why have a light and hide it? It shines. You reveal it. And we, as Jesus followers, it should somehow shine out of us, even if it's a bit flickery and a bit wonky sometimes. This is who you are. Jesus says he hadn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. He wasn't coming to say, I'm throwing all that out. 
In fact, if you read what he says, he, he tightens it up. If we go on to look at the lecture we're reading for next week, I've no idea if the college are using that one or not. But if you are, he says, you know, it's not murder's bad, but even thinking murder of thoughts is bad. Adultery is bad, but thinking lustful thoughts is just as bad. So it's all from inside. The inside comes out into the outside. So of course we need to connect with God. Of course we need to recharge our batteries. But we do so for a purpose. We do so so that we are more salty, more shiny, more able to live out what we believe, these values of justice and truth and inclusion and acceptance and flourishing. That's what the gospel is about. That's what good news is about. I'm just reading between uh, my notes and I'm just noticing that when we shared thoughts two weeks ago, a lot of people talked about the connection for them that they'd spotted in, in our worship. There is a connection between what we do on Sunday and what we do in the week. This, I'm not telling us anything new. I'm just reminding us, if you like, that this is what we are about. If God or Jesus was to speak to Hellhead Baptist Church today, what might they say? And I think it might be like this. What I really want is justice for all creation. I want health and well-being, physical, emotional and spiritual for all humankind. And your very essence is like that of salt to save and savour, and like that of light to illuminate and reveal. But I also know this. You're tired and you're hungry and you're thirsty. So come to me. Bring me your songs, bring me your stories, bring me your prayers, bring me your silence, bring me your sorrow. Come to my table, take your place, eat and drink as a sign and symbol of hope and receive the blessings and the assurance that I love you. That's what I think God is saying to us. And so we're going to sing. And then Brian's going to lead us in prayer. And then we will move around the Lord's table. And because I don't want to destroy the flow when we get to that, just to say that we are experimenting with pre-pandemic serving style today. So you will be served during the liturgy, the bread to eat as you receive it and the wine or juice to drink together. And if you're at home on Zoom, please use your judgment as to when you choose to eat. We will then all, all drink together. For those on site, if you're uncomfortable that we do have a self-serve station over here. So if you prefer to just to collect your own bread and wine, totally fine. You may like to do that during the hymn leading into communion so that you're ready and haven't got to jump around during the communion itself. But we slow down. We bring ourselves into the presence of God who longs to hold us, to feed us, to nourish us, to strengthen and equip us. So let's sing for the world and all its people. We address our prayers to God.
Matthew records Jesus as saying to the people who were listening, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so thinking on these words, let us come to our prayers for others and for ourselves. Let us listen for God. Let us pray. Here this morning in all the rooms online and in this hotel room, we are in communion. We are family. We gather at this common meeting place in time and space where a simple meal challenges us to see again a different world. A world of acceptance and of hope. A world of justice and of peace. And it challenges us again as individuals and as a community, a family, to be the salt and light in delivering that different world. And yet we are challenged again. Who gathers at this table? Who is not yet present at the Feast of Life? Who is not present because of injustice, of oppression, of vulnerability, of discrimination, of loneliness? Who have we not noticed because their voices are silenced or because we do not think that they are worth noticing? In a moment of silence before God, let us reflect on these questions. God in Jesus calls us all to share the outrageous and indiscriminate hospitality of the Lord's Supper. May we, in our little faith community here at Hillhead, walk more purpose purposefully together on that ever-evolving journey as we aspire to live the life of God's hospitality for each other and for all. And so we think of aspects and individuals within our own community here at Hillhead. We think this morning of communications and give thanks for Heather taking over as editor. For Graham L. For Stuart and Pirio. Lizzie and Jonathan. Jennifer. Neil and Jensen. Holly and George. Sheila. Heather, Kurt and Duncan, Liz and Douglas, Graham and Charlie. These are the people on our prayer for this prayer list for this week. We are interconnected and live within a wider world and so in communion with BMS World Mission, we remember today, we're invited to remember that after 23 years of working in Kosovo, 
BMS World Mission planned to complete that work last year. However, due to the delays in the pandemic, BMS personnel Robert and Rose are now remaining until the summer of this year. We're invited to pray this week for those in Kosovo who will now take over the reconciliation projects, the music and children's ministries, and the English language classes. And in communion with our sister churches here in Scotland, we remember two churches that are going through their own processes of discernment just now. For Boness, seeking a pastor to work with them in their outreach to the local community. For Bourtry Hill in Irvine. And in the Baptist Union of Scotland team, Samira has joined just this week as a finance administrator. Originally from Iran, Samira and her family have been here in Scotland for the last few years and she'll be working closely with the finance director. And we remember Bears Den, one of the daughter churches of this church, which has just celebrated its 50th anniversary. Today, as we meditate on our prayers for ourselves and for others, we see the snowdrops appearing in the green spaces across our city. A sign of hope, a sign of peace, carrying with them a symbol of God's renewing love. May nature's white candles of hope energise our journey together. Where our prayers lead, may our love and action follow. And in an attitude of continuing prayer, we now sing, Bread is blessed and broken, and may I suggest that we remain seated for this hymn.
So today we are using, with a few tweaks, a liturgy I created about three years ago, drawing on Anglican and Roman Catholic traditional words, as mediator through Baptist and Presbyterian publications, <coughs> with a few words of my own. God's table is bigger than we can ever imagine. God's family extends beyond labels, forms and traditions, for all are welcome to gather around this table. In these places, at this time, in countless places and throughout time. This is the Lord's table and it is Christ who bids us welcome. So come, let us share together. And I invite you, if you have the words before you, to join me in the part of the liturgy that says all. The Lord is here. God's Spirit is with us. Let us lift our hearts, minds and voices. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to our loving, living God. It is right to bring our thanks and praise. It is indeed right. It is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise, holy parent, heavenly ruler, almighty and eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And so with the angels and archangels, with the great cloud of witnesses who went before us, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, singing. hear the words of the Apostle Paul. I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Christ. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What does it mean to discern the body of Christ? It means to gather together, knowing that we, all of us, just as we are, are part of that body in this place and this time. And so mindful of the challenging words we've heard, as we prepare to share the bread and wine, we do seek God's forgiveness and peace as we sing again. borrowed room among friends Jesus took bread gave thanks broke it and shared it with them we are his friends and we share bread we share bread in a post-pandemic world so we will use the small squares but the symbolism remains the same
At the end of the supper, Jesus took a cup of wine, blessed it and passed it around those who were his friends, as was their custom. And he said, this seals the covenant, the new relationship between God and humanity, between God and all creation. Whenever you drink, remember me, remember this. And being good Baptists, we use little cups. And we will hold those that we might drink together as a symbol of our unity in Christ. And so, as one body, one family, one community, and welcoming those not yet feeling comfortable to partake fully, we drink in remembrance and thanksgiving. We eat this bread and drink this wine to remember you until you come again. Come, O come, Emmanuel, Maranatha.
there's nothing like singing that one at 90 miles an hour, is there? <laughs> for those of you who are on site, we do have some uh, chocolates. I was given them for my birthday, and um, there's all sorts of things in them that I can't eat. So please do enjoy the chocolates and continue to share fellowship. Sorry to those online, but you will have your chat rooms if you wish to stay. God who gathers and scatters, as we go from here, dispersed like thistledown on the wind, may we go in your strength and with your love, to savour like salt, to illuminate like light, to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with you, now and always. Amen.